0: Welcome to Word for the Week. I'm sorry this is a bit later than usual, Um, no excuses, what can I say, it's just been one of those weeks. Um, Our thoughts this morning are centred around three churches, the letters of Jesus to three churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. We're going to take each of these in turn and just write one lesson um, from each of Jesus' messages to these churches. And we begin with the church at Pergamum, which is Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. And as ever, David Suchet is going to read this for us.
1: To the angel of the church in Pergamum, Right. these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. let them hear what the spirit says to the churches to the one who is victorious i will give some of the hidden manner i will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it known only to the one who receives it
0: this is jesus's message to a conflicted church a conflicted church the church of pergamon knows conflict um, with its community with the city in which it's based and it also knows conflict from within let's think first about the conflict with the community in which it's set uh, jesus describes uh, pergamon as a place where satan has his throne uh, back in the day of jesus time pergamon was a large asian city It um, previously been a capital of asia for the roman empire And it was dominated by a great temple to Zeus Um, on the hill overlooking the city. uh, There was a huge temple. If you go to the Berlin Museum, you can see a reconstruction of that temple. And it's absolutely massive. And it was um, in the shape of a throne. And actually sacrifice and human sacrifices uh, were committed to Zeus on the the seat of Zeus, on the temple of Zeus, which dominated the city, overlooked the city. Wherever you were in Pergamon, you would be able to look up, a bit like when you're in Edinburgh, you can look up to King Arthur's seat. You could look up and you could see the great temple of Zeus and you could see the great throne-like shape of that temple. At the time Jesus is speaking to his churches they are beginning to undergo persecution and indeed one of their leaders Antipas has been killed and he was killed in a horrible manner on that throne in that temple uh, dedicated to Zeus overlooking the city of Pergamum. So you can see how uh, cowed and afraid the um, believers would be in that city, dominated by the, the temple, dominated by the throne of Satan as Jesus describes it. Uh, The throne um, means the seat or the place where you reside. And Jesus says this is a city where Satan lives. And what he means by that is not that uh, Satan is limited to that city or is especially um, at work at that city, but rather that Satan feels completely at home there. He is uncontested in civil life, in civic life in that city. As I say, Christians there have lost their lives. Um, And yet Jesus commends them. Um, He says, you are you are remaining true to me. You remain true to my name. You've not renounced uh, your faith in me. Uh, The Christians are prevailing in the conflict that they are facing. They're holding on to the faith um, externally. They're still holding on to Jesus in this great conflict uh, that they are undergoing. And Jesus commends them for that. And yet there is still a problem there is conflict within the church and it's a conflict over teaching it's a conflict over doctrine it's a conflict over truth and those conflicts are still raging in the church today we don't know what the teaching of the nicolatians was we don't know what the teaching of Balak uh, was they've been lost in antiquity but we do know they had something to do with sexual immorality and jesus is contending for truth within the church and calls his faithful people to remain faithful to the truth uh, within the church. Uh, Jesus says that he will come and he'll pronounce judgment uh, with the sword. The emperor, the Roman emperor, had the power of the sword. He had the power to decide who lived and who died. And Jesus here is referred to as the one who has a sharp, double-edged sword. That's how he's introduced at the start of these these verses. Back in Revelation chapter 1, we see Jesus as the one who has the sword coming out of his mouth, meaning the words that he speaks will be the sword of truth. And it's by the sword of truth, the truth of his words, that Jesus judges his church, and he promises that he will come in judgment to his church. So there are sobering words here for us. Um, We are now in a conflicted church in a conflicted world. We have a conflict with our community, conflict about the values of uh, the Christian faith in our communities, and we need to prevail and hold fast to those. And also we have conflict within the church about the truth of the gospel and what it means to live a righteous, holy life. And Jesus says he will judge the church too on whether she holds fast uh, to his words and holds fast to his truth. There is a promise here as well. To those who prevail, to those who remain strong, uh, Jesus says he will give some of the hidden manna, a manna that you cannot see. And of course, this is a reference back to the Old Testament where the people um, in the wilderness were sustained by manna from heaven, uh, bread gifted to them um, every day um, so that they could um, not die but live. And Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And of course, in the the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus provides for his people. And then he goes on to say, I am the bread of life. And Jesus says here that if we trust in him, if we hold on to him, then he will give us manna from heaven to sustain us. And he will strengthen us. He will equip us to stand firm in the trials that we face. And he also says that to um, uh, the one uh, who is victorious, who perseveres, he will also give a white stone with a new name uh, written upon it. In the judicial courts of Pergamon in that day, the judge would pronounce his verdict uh, by reaching into a bag and pulling out a stone. If you're in a law court, you want to know, am I innocent or am I guilty? And the judge would pull out a stone and you'd see his judgment on the kind of stone that he pulled out. If it was a black stone, then you had been pronounced guilty and you would be sentenced. Um, if it was a white stone, then you were declared to be innocent. And Jesus says, I will declare you innocent in my presence. If you are victorious, if you persevere, if you hold on. That's his promise to us. To all who trust in him, he will declare us uh, righteous. He will declare us innocent. He will clothe us with his righteousness that we need not fear his judgment. That's the letter to the church at Pergamon. Now we come to the letter to the church at Thyatira.
1: To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, She misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
0: Now we come to the letter to the church at Thyatira. There's a real contrast here in terms of the size of the city. If pergamon is a huge city dominated by a great temple, then Thyatira is a forgotten place. Um, there's nothing there. It was just a, a crossroads in the middle of nowhere, and it was a forgotten place. It's not a place that you would uh, you'd want to visit. It's a place that people pass through to get to somewhere else, to somewhere more important a forgotten place, and I'm sure the Christians there felt as though they were a forgotten church. Um, This was the smallest of the churches that Jesus speaks to. We see something of the pastoral heart of Jesus in that to the smallest church, the weakest church, um, he writes his longest letter. He says more to this church than any other church in the book of Revelation. And he writes to encourage them. Um, He speaks to give them hope. He speaks as one whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Um, Like blazing fire, what does that mean? It means his eyes are alive. Uh, They blaze with fire. They're alive. And it means he sees everything. Thyatira might be a forgotten place and the church might be a forgotten church. But Jesus sees them. Uh, Jesus sees them and he notices them. He says, I know your deeds, your love, your service, your perseverance. I know that you're doing more than you did at first. Jesus sees them and he sees their life and he sees their deeds and he commends them. Uh, They are not forgotten. They're not lost. Uh, Jesus knows those who are his. And his feet are like burnished bronze. What does that mean? Well, the contrast here is between burnished bronze and feet of clay. We often serve our leaders don't we that they are they have feet of clay meaning that they they might look great they might look magnificent but they are fallible they are their feet are of clay Uh, statues in the roman period were made of burnished bronze and what this means is that jesus's feet are of burnished bronze they will hold fast they will stand firm Um, He is the real deal. He is the authentic uh, Messiah. He is the one who is able to stand firm. And also he is the one who is able to keep those who are entrusted to him. Um, his footing will not slip. He will not stumble. He will not fall. He is able to keep those who are his. And Jesus says to this church, um, hold on. Hold on to what you had at first. Uh, The church at Thyatira is a compromised church. Jesus commends them for how they're living. He commends them for their faith. But he says, I have this against you. Uh, You tolerate the prophetess Jezebel. And then there's talk of, um, again, sexual immorality and food sacrifice to idols. And what it seems that was happening here is that Christians were getting caught up in the feasts of the trade guilds. Trade girls, what were they? Well, they were a bit like the Freemasons of their day, mixed with a kind of swingers club, um, if I can say that. Um, every month or so, um, all the craftsmen of the area would gather together. and It seems they were doing that at Thyratara. You'd have the, 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 the builders and the merchants and the suppliers and the architects and they would all gather together. The, the merchants, all the different trades would be there. And they would begin their feast together with a a religious ceremony and some idol worship. Then the meat that was sacrificed to the idols that would be cooked up into a great uh, feast and they would all share um, in the banquet. And then after the banquet was finished, the women would leave if there were women there and the temple prostitutes would come. uh, The wine would be cracked open and the feast and the orgy would go on into the night. And you can imagine uh, what was happening. And it seems that uh, Christian uh, tradesmen, Christmas biz- Christian business people were being caught up in that. What seems to have been happening that there was a woman uh, uh, and this might be a real woman or it might be a kind of a euphemism uh, for a kind of uh, practice that was happening. But certainly somebody called Jezebel or the spirit of Jezebel is saying, look, for Christians, it's OK to be part of this. This is the way that we do business. This is the way that we will, um, the world works. Um, if you're a Christian, you're right with God. So don't, don't worry about what you're doing with your body. Don't worry about what you're doing in business. The important thing is that you're a Christian. And so you can carry on with these things. And they were tolerating these practices. And Jesus says, you can't do this. He says that if you are, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Excuse me. If you are holding on to this teaching, you are taking part in the deep things of Satan. Can't imagine a more a more um, condemning word than that, that you are you are holding on to the the deep things of Satan. You're tolerating Satan in your midst. And again, Jesus says that he will come in judgment. What he says to this uh, compromised church is hold on to what you had. Come back to that faith you held at the start. Come back to that zeal you had for me, that love for have you had for me, that faithfulness you had to me. Return to the pure faith that you had before it was uh, diluted or polluted by this teaching of Jezebel. Keep yourselves separate uh, from these um, uh, practices that are going on. Do business in the right way, trade in the right way. Uh, be faithful to me and I'll always remain faithful to you. He says to the compromised church, hold on to the pure gospel, hold on to my pure teaching, live a righteous life. And if you do this, you will have authority. The compromised church has no authority. No authority to speak the words of truth faithfully, no authority to speak in the name of Jesus, no authority in prayer, no spiritual authority. And again, we see that in our churches today if you would have authority in prayer. If you would have authority in any kind of Christian ministry, you need to hold on to the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to hold on to his teaching. You need to keep your life holy and your way pure. That's the message uh, to the church at Thyatira. And we turn finally to the message to the church in Sardis. The church in Sardis, Jesus's words to them.
1: To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the Book of Life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
0: Sardis as a city was a byword for wealth and impregnability. Uh, the city um, had a, a, a castle surrounding it and it was set on a hill overlooking a great pra- uh, plain and you can go and see its ruins uh, today. It was a mighty fortress and it had stood impregnable for centuries. In over 600 years it had only been conquered twice. I'll tell the story of that in a moment. But um, it was also a very wealthy city. There was a river that run, uh, ran through its land that was um, had lots of gold in it. And uh, various kings over the ages had mined the gold and sifted the gold in the river and become very, very wealthy. Probably its uh, greatest king, going back to the age of Troy, was King Croetius. And he was known as being the wealthiest man in the world because he'd uh, harvested all of this gold and built this great uh, city on a hill, uh, great uh, walls around the citadel, uh, huge thick walls. And uh, any invading army that wanted to come and to conquer uh, the city of Sardis, well, um, there was only one approach up to the city. It was easily guarded. It was easily defended. And so for centuries, it stood impregnable. Only twice in its history was it defeated, and the first of those times was when it was besieged by King Sirius um, of Persia. He took his army there, they surrounded the city, and uh, they besieged it. And for about two weeks, they wouldn't let anybody in, they wouldn't let anybody else, and they watched uh, what happened um, upon the city walls. And the city, well, they became uh, very complacent, and this is a word to a complacent church. Uh, they were very confident in their wealth and they were very confident in their fortress walls. They thought, well, no other army has ever invaded us. We've never been conquered. Uh, we'll be fine behind our walls. Uh, one night, one of the um, soldiers guarding the walls, he was so complacent, he actually fell asleep. And as he fell asleep, his head uh, started to nod as mind us when I fall asleep and rolled forward. And his helmet uh, came off and fell over the wall and rolled down the side. Uh, The enemy soldiers, Sirius' soldiers, who were watching, um, uh, they watched to see what would happen. A few minutes later, uh, they noticed a little door, a trap door, open at the base of one of the walls, and the soldier scurried out, uh, ran down the ravine, picked up his helmet, ran back up, and the door closed behind him. He obviously didn't want to get in trouble for falling asleep on guard and having to explain why his helmet was missing, missing. This was reported to King Cyrus and he um, ordered his soldiers to go and see if they could find a path up to the doorway. Surely they did. Uh, There was a secret hidden path up to the base of the walls and there was a trapdoor there. His men were able to break through the trapdoor. They found the hidden way into the city and they conquered it and took it and the city was defeated from within. The compromised city falls because they are complacent. They've fallen asleep um, on the job. And Jesus's words to the church at Sardis uh, is his words uh, to a complacent church. He says, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are on the verge of death. I'm sure the church at Sardis was a lovely place to worship. Um, I get the impression there were lots of people there. There were lots of young people. Uh, The worship was fantastic. Uh, The collection would have been great. Um, They had lots of money. Uh, They were doing well. It was an alive church, and we all want to go to an alive church. And yet Jesus says, you have the appearance of being alive, but you're actually on the point of death. They're in extremis. And that's because they're confident in their outward appearance, but they have become complacent. Jesus says, there are just a few people amongst you who have not soiled uh, their clothes, and they'll be clothed in garments of white, uh, the robes of the redeemed, the robes of those who uh, reign with Jesus in heaven. What is Jesus's words to a complacent church? He says, remember what you had at first. And he promises that if the church remember him, then he will remember them. When the Lamb's book of life is open on the final day, their names will be in it. If we remember him, if we hold on to him, then he will remember us on the last day, on the day of judgment. And our names will be written in his book of life. The people of Sardis unbelievably uh, forgot the lesson uh, that they should have learned by the victory of King Cyrus. I said the city fell um, twice in its history. It was besieged a second time hundreds of years after it was conquered by Cyrus. Again, the king uh, besieged the city. Uh, There was no way in. They were easily kept out. The people inside were complacent. Uh, but the king thought, well, I know this city has been taken before, and so he consulted the history books and he read of the secret path, and he read of the sleeping soldier, and he read of the hidden trapdoor. And he sent his soldiers to see if they could find it, and unbelievably, it was still there. The path was still there, the trapdoor was still there, the vulnerability was still there. The people of Sardis hadn't learned their lesson. They hadn't woken up. They'd forgotten what they should know. So a second time in the history, the trapdoor was broken down and the city was taken from inside. The lesson was not learned. learnt. And Jesus says to the church in Sardis, and he says to us today, remember what you had at first. Uh, don't fall asleep. Uh, don't take confidence in the outward appearance and how your church looks. Um, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Uh, Jesus looks at our heart and he looks at the heart of our churches, and it's his judgment that truly counts. Our reputation stands for nothing. And to the complacent church, Jesus says, Look, you are dying, but hope is not lost. Remember what you had at first. Wake up, and I will remember you. To the conflicted church, Jesus says, repent. Uh, To the compromised church, Jesus says, hold on. And to the complacent church, Jesus says, wake up. Let's heed his lessons today. In the name of Christ, amen.